Thank you, Danny, for the invitation again to be with you. I started counting up. I believe I've been here about six or eight times. It's been, and, and I hope to have many more unless I mess up today, okay? <laughs> Love you. Thank you for your leadership. Always good to be with L.V. Rigney and Darlene. My goodness, you realize it has been 40. Hmm. I don't even want to go back that far. I was 10, and I think you were 12 when I came, when I was a state director here, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you for being our friends. We love you. We just love coming out here to be with you. And it's always good to put my feet on the soil where I served for four years as your state youth director. And I just want you to know I appreciate this. I know God has something in store for you today. I believe he's, there's my title already, so that probably kind of shake you up a little bit. What do you do on your worst day? The reason I've put this title on here so succinctly is the Holy Spirit's already let me know that you're here that needs this. If you weren't here, I'd be going a different direction. If you'll reach and get your Bible and turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. It's good to have my wife Judy with me. Somebody says, why does she travel with you all the time? She just hates to kiss me goodbye. This past Friday, we've been married 54 years. And I shouldn't be preaching this, should I? That just doesn't fit. What do you do on your worst day? The good news about us is 54 years ago, I took her, ran her over into Georgia, off of South Carolina, where we were at at the time, married her illegally left her there and went back to Jacksonville, Florida because I had to, I'd be AWOL if I didn't get back. She had to tell all the people. We, we actually went to a place and got married in a junkyard. The justice of the peace lived in a junkyard. So our theme is this. We got married in a junkyard and ended up in church. A lot of people get married in a church and end up in a junkyard. Amen? I ain't got a time to do a marriage seminar. I'll come back and do something like that, all right? But I love her, and I'm glad she's with me, and I'm glad the Lord gives us this opportunity to travel together. Read with me if you uh, read along. Would you stand for the reading of the word? I'm going to read a few verses beginning with verse 1. Now it happened the day that David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, and that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those that were there among the small and great, and they did not kill anyone, but carried them away captive. So David and his men came into the city. There it was burned with fire, and the wives and sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and began to weep, and they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives and whatever her name is, I won't read it. Okay, she was a Jezreelite. And Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Isn't it amazing? We always try to find somebody to blame. Amen? 
And when usually it's us, okay, we'll, we'll let that go too. Because the soul of the people were grieving every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest and Ab Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod to me. And David uh, and Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this uh, from, shall I, wait, I can't see it now. My goodness, what happened? To, okay, there we go. Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them saying, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. Recover I'm no longer a slave to fear. He promised me that I could have it. Amen? And verse, let, let me go, let, look at verse 18 with me. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything, which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Somebody shout, all. I don't want part of it back. I want all of it back. I don't want just a portion to say that's what it used to be. I want it all. Satan, you can't have it. You can't keep it. You can't, you can't put it anywhere that God doesn't have a key that's big enough to unlock whatever door you shut. I believe this is our day. Amen. Give praise to the Lord before you're seated. What do you do on your worst day? Now, if you're a note taker, uh, I'm going to give you some things at the beginning that just probably not a part of the outline, but I wrote them down, so I thought you might like them. I call these the devil's D tactics. The devil's D tactics. Here's, here's what he'll do to you. He will delay what's going on in your life. He will cause a deceit to come. He will cause a distraction. He will cause a disappointment, and then he'll get you discouraged. Amen? That's not where I'm preaching. That's just an outline if you want to preach it later, all right? Three things that I tell you that he will do in these tactics. His plan, he wants to paralyze your plans. He wants to stop you in your tracks. He wants you to get to the place that you just give up and you quit and you paralyze. The second thing he will do, he will help you abort your dreams. Let me tell you something. If you quit dreaming, what are you going to do? Years ago, 10 years ago it's been since I left my church in Alabama, and the Lord spoke to me while I was praying and gave me the scripture. He said, in the last days I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see vision. Here's what he said. He said, if you quit dreaming, the next generation won't have vision. Hello. They keep asking. My kids said, when are you going to retire? I said, this is it. I said, watch me spend your inheritance. And I'm having fun doing it. But look at this. He, when you understand that he wants you to abort your dreams, the third thing the devil will do you, he will dilute your hope. He won't just take it away, but he'll dilute it. He'll cause you to reach a point of where you kind of get foggy. Amen? So let's look at this. What do you do on the worst day of your life? The good news is I only have four points. Four points don't take but about 30 minutes apiece. I was at a church the other day, and I won't tell you where it's at because I don't want you to know, okay? It was not in Arkansas, all right? And I was at that church visiting, and when I visited, the pastor got up to preach, and the pastor, when he got up to preach, he said, I have 12 points. 
And I turned to my wife. I said, if I ever have 12 points, don't let me tell them. Amen. I'm sitting there looking at number three after he'd been going 45 minutes. I thought, my Lord, I'm getting hungry. Amen. What do you do on your worst day? Let me kind of bring this in perspective. What has happened here is while David was trying to join the enemy, the Philistines, you can go back and read it, while he was trying to become a part of them because he was hiding, of course, Saul was still chasing him. He had opportunities to take Saul's life, and he didn't do it. But God, in 1 Samuel 15, told Saul, I want you to go in to this place of the Amalekites, and I want you to destroy the city and the king. But what happens is, this man Saul did not listen to what God told him to do. He let the king live. That's our problem sometimes is we don't kill the king in us that needs to die. Sometimes we let him live and think we can coddle him and take care of him and he rises back up. I think we need to do what David did when he fought the giant. Not only did he knock him down, he took his own sword, cut his head off, took his head in his fingers and ran back to the city and said, let me tell you, he's gone, he's gone. It's time to kill that enemy that keeps coming back. Don't just knock him out. Get him and take care of him. I'm preaching now. You can help me. All right, come on. We need to deal. If you don't deal with a boy problem when you're a boy, you'll have to deal with that boy problem when you're a man. Good preaching anyway. It's good in here like this because the lights are so bright I can't see if you're laughing, smiling, or crying. All right? What do we do? What happens? They come back. They come back into the city, and as they come into the city, they're shocked because what has happened is the enemy that Saul did not destroy is the enemy that destroyed the city and took all the women and children captive. Now, you know I can't stay up here long, okay? i got to come down here and tell you something. If we're not careful in America and we don't keep praying and if we don't keep touching God, we don't keep seeking God, our children are going to be stolen. Hello? Because we are dealing with people who have no idea who God is, who don't care who God is, who doesn't care what God said. It doesn't matter to them. And we've got to take care of what's going on. It's time for the church in this moment to rise up and say, this is what God said and stand on his word. Amen. I was driving in yesterday listening to Franklin Graham praying at one of these rallies. And I thought, Lord, you need to go listen to it. When he begins to pray, folks, we have an opportunity to save our country. Now, whether you agree with me or not, I have the microphone. There's not much you can do at this point, I hope, okay? But this is the same scenario. Here comes David with his band of men, and as he comes into the city with his band of men into Ziglag, they begin to look, and the city has been burned. And then they discover when they get on in the city, they've stolen everything. Not only have they stolen everything, they took their women and children captive. Now, the good news is we are praying that your children won't be taken captive by this society. Amen? We're praying over them that God will protect them. See, sometimes I live, I've been living in Summerton, Alabama for 30 years. And Summerton, Alabama, it's a town of about 2,500, maybe 3,000. I don't know if we've ever reached 3,000 before or not. But I call them the Hover City 
The reason I call them the hover city, they think they can hover over their children. You can't do that. You've got to train them up in the, which they, the way which they should go, and you've got to let God take care of them. Hello. Sometimes we read that scripture. Right? Train up a child the way it should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Doesn't mean he won't depart from that, but it means it'll still be in here. Come on. Amen. Anybody praying about some children right now? Let me give you a little bit of encouragement. They're coming home. I said they're coming home. They may have been taken captive, but they're coming back. Oh, hear me. They're coming. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. They're coming back home. So they come into the city, and as they did, I'm going to give you four things you can do on the worst day of your life. One, one other thing before I get into this message. I'm trying to get there is that David, if you go back and research this, David was only three days from becoming king. You wonder why the enemy is doing, playing havoc in your life? You're only three days away from what God promised. <laughs> the enemy strikes the hardest on that time when he knows you're just about to get into what God said. See, sometimes we think all the things in front of us are just going to be molehills. You're going to face some mountains. But I know a God who will take that mountain and turn it into a molehill, and there won't be anything to it. What happens to them? They come into the city, and as they come into the city, all of his men are with him, and it's burned, and everybody's gone. You know what the first thing they did? They wept. Say weep. It's okay to cry. Just don't become a slave to it. Come on. It's okay. The Lord created us to have water coming out of our eyes when we go through things. I've gone through a very tough week last week because the youth pastor that served with me at Summerton, she served there actually 42 years. Her husband just passed away. And it was a tough time to go through because my, my son's married to their daughter, so we're connected. She, but she always told me, she said, we're family now. I said, only if it's convenient to you. So, you know, <laughs> that's how we get along, okay? But it's tough to go through that. And I, I talked with her yesterday, and I tried to talk with her every day, and she says, I've been crying. I said, that's okay, but don't cry all the time. When they walked in there, they wept. Now, look what it says. They wept until they could weep no more. You ever been there? I have. I've been to those times when I didn't have any more tears. I was crying, but nothing's coming out. And you, it says they wept till they wept, could weep no more. Let me tell you something. Don't become a slave to your weeping because God said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Woo. You can cry for a while. Somebody said, I don't know what to do because I'm in the middle of something and all I do is cry and I don't see any way out. What did it say? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes when? In the morning. You know when morning is? Morning's not when the sun comes up. Morning is one second past midnight. You don't have to wait till the sun comes up. You may be going through it. Don't be looking for the sun to come up. You're in the midst of it now. It's already one minute past midnight, so you can see the joy that can, can come in your morning. Yeah. Woo! Weep, but don't become a slave. Understand that there are times that you have to go through pain. A number of years, about two years ago, Judy had a knee replacement surgery. And in that knee replacement surgery, she felt good when she had the surgery. She got up and she began to walk until the pain medicine wore off. Come on. If you've ever had any, you know what I've realized, Pastor? I realized that when I pastored, I go visit people and they say they're having minor surgery. The only minor surgery is if it's not happening to me. <laughs> 
when they got ready to cut on me, it wasn't minor anymore. When you, it's, it's not. And they did the knee replacement surgery on her. She did good for a while, and the pain wore off. And, oh, my goodness, I felt for her. Because, man, they had her walking down that hallway with a few hours. But here's what I, and then they sent her home, and they gave me a shirt that said, Coach. <laughs> Guess what? I got me a new shirt when I got through, Slave. <laughs> Because I had to become a slave to getting her better. She wasn't happy. They brought that machine. You know what I'm talking about? It makes your leg move up. And, and she didn't want to do it. She did, I kept doing it. But here's what she had to learn. The doctor says this. The only way you're going to make it is you've got to walk to be healed. Did you hear me? I said you've got to walk to be healed. I don't know who you are this morning, but he wanted me just to share this little message with you. you got to walk to be healed. You may be in pain, but keep on walking. You may be hurting, but keep on walking. You may say, I just don't know if I can do it. Keep on walking. When the man was laying on the pallet and God told Jesus told him to get up, he didn't help him. He said, get up and walk. Don't you think that man's bones began to crack? Don't you think he began to hurt? But he got up anyway. I don't know who you are, but hear me again. You got to walk to be healed. 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 Somebody give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. If you will keep walking, you will be healed. Because weeping is only for a little while. Let's look at the next, next verse with me. If you'll look on down, you'll see there's something else that happens there. Number, the next, next thing he does in verse 6, it says, David encouraged himself, strengthened himself. What does that mean? My second word is worship anyhow. It doesn't matter. When I was in Lee years ago, right after Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> I used to go visit a guy who was the publisher at that time. You probably remember H.D. Williams. I know you don't have a clue, but H.D. Williams goes way back, right after Abraham Lincoln. And he, always, he had a sign on his desk, and it simply said, Hallelujah, anyhow. I kind of like that. Hallelujah, anyhow. I may be hurting, but hallelujah, anyway. You see, David was crying, and David was weeping, and they, look what they did. They said, you know what? We're, we're upset, so we're going to stone the pastor. Guess what? I pastored for almost 30 years, so I know what that feels like. Hello. The, good, the bad thing about a pastor being up here preaching every Sunday is he's the only one up here, and he can throw rocks at him. Hello. I know you don't do that. I'm talking about that church across town, okay? I'm not talking about anybody here. But you see, they talk, they're crying. They lost their family. And they pick up rocks and say, you know what? We're going to kill this guy. It never explains why. They just say, we're going to stone David. We're upset. And we're, what does David do? It says he strengthened himself. How do you strengthen yourself? You need to have a place where you can get along with God. You can't strengthen yourself in a crowd. I mean, it's good worship, and I, I enjoyed this as well. I love it, folks. But let me tell you, there's times it just has to be me and God. There are times I have to shut everything out. Judy will come to me sometimes. She said, well, I'm going to go down to town with Crystal. I hate to leave you here by yourself. I just I tell her, I want to be here by myself. 
And I do a walking track. I walk two miles in 30 minutes, but I put earbuds in and I listen to worship music. I'm not just walking for the physical man. I'm walking for the spiritual man. And there's times, you see, I can't sing too good, but I love to put on music and I begin to worship and I worship by uh, the, the song they were doing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to strengthen me and minister to me and pick me up. You see, it, I may be hurting. I may not know what to do. I may not have the answers, but I can get lost in worship with him. And all of a sudden, he overshadows me. The Holy Spirit surrounds me and he picks me up and he lets me know exactly what to do. Amen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to have your time with God. You've got to understand your greatest time of worship should be in your darkest hour. It was a man named Joseph. Joseph, of course, is the one that was favored by his father, and you know the story. But Joseph was a dreamer. But I got news for you. Don't quit dreaming. But if you dream that your brothers bow down to you, don't tell them. They're not going to be as excited as you are. I had a dream. What was it? Y'all came and bowed down to me. Don't think my brother would be that happy about that, okay? But he did it, and they didn't like him. And he's, he's coming to visit with them, and they see him coming over the hill. You know what they say? They give him a compliment. They just don't re realize it. They say, here comes that dreamer. I, w I hope people say that about me until they put me in the ground. Here comes that dreamer because I'm going to keep on dreaming because if I quit dreaming, I don't have vision. If I quit dreaming, I quit. If I quit dreaming, I get. I, I agree with T.D. Jakes. You know what he said? I like this. He said, I don't go to bed anymore because that's where most people die. That's a pretty good deal. I'm afraid to go to bed. That's where everybody dies, so I'm not going. But I'm going to keep dreaming. And as he came over the hill, they, they began to talk. What are we going to do? We're going to kill him. We're going to put him over here. And the other, the other brother said to him, no, no, no. Let's put him in this pit. And as they put him in the pit, they were going to leave him there and let him die. But somebody turned to one of the brothers and said, Let's get him back out of the pit. You know what the brother's name was that got him out of the pit? Judah. <laughs> what does that mean? Praise. So how did Joseph get out of the pit? Praise. Ooh, do you hear me? Praise will get you out of the pit. Praise will move you to where you never thought you would. Does anybody here know how to praise the Lord? Does anybody here know how to worship God? Do you know what it's like even when your body is hurting, even when you, something's happening you can't control? You, I wish somebody just put your hands together right now and give him loud praise. Come on, loud praise in the house. Worship him. Worship him. He is God. I'm going to divert here a minute. I want to share this with you. If you're making notes, write down Genesis 29, verses 31 to 35. And this is the story about uh, a lady named Leah. Leah was the one that was in love, but she didn't get the, the man she thought she was getting. And he didn't get the woman. He, I ain't got time to go through the story. You know, the Rachel and Leah, okay? See, he worked seven years to get Rachel. And he got Leah. Now, let's kind of put that in perspective. You work seven years for this woman. You get married, and on your wedding night, you lift the veil, and it's not her. Wow. <laughs> you know what he did? He worked seven more years. You young men that are looking for a wife, if you'll work 14 years, you'll get one. No. But he did. But Leah wasn't happy. You know what Leah did? Leah said, I'm going to have some kids. The Lord, it says, opened her womb. 
Let me show you what she did. She had a child and she named him Reuben. You know what Reuben means? I want to be seen. She was saying to her husband, I want you to see me. Then she had a second child and his name was Simeon. Simeon means I want to be heard. The third child she had was named Levi. Levi is a word that means to be attached. But uh, you got to go back and read this. you got to go back and see what it says. Because after she had those three boys, you know what she says? This time I will praise the Lord. You know what the child's name was? Judah. He was born to this woman. But she said this time. Somebody say this time. Somebody say it again this time. She said, I've tried to get attached. I've tried for him to see me. I want him to hear me. I want him to love me. But this time, I'm just going to praise God anyway. Whether he ever sees me, whether he ever knows I'm around, if I feel like a lonely petunia in an onion patch, I'm still going to praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say this time. Come on, say it again. This time. This time, I'm going to praise God. This time, I'm going to worship him. This time, I'm going to go beyond. Amen. Are y'all getting this over here? Y'all okay? Good. All right, let's go to number three. You weep, you worship, and then, I don't like this one. Third one is, you wait. You go back and read it. He said, I want you to call the priest, Abathar, and I want him to bring the ephod. The ephod is the thing that the priest wore, and inside the pockets, he had a urim and a thummim, okay? Why they were called that, I don't have a clue, okay? But I know what they did when they prayed. They waited before God until the priest would bring out the stone. And it would say, this is your answer. How did you get that answer? Say this word with me, wait. I don't like that, do you? I don't like to go to Walmart, folks. Because for some reason, when I go to Walmart and get what I need to get, I'm, I'm in such a hurry when I go to Walmart, people are saying, I thought I saw you in Walmart. I said, you did, but I was moving. Amen. But I go to Walmart, I get two or three items, and I'll go over there to check out, and it says, what, 10 items only or 20 items only, and I look at the person in front of me, and I say, I feel like saying, can you count? But I don't, okay? I stay sanctified, okay? It'd be embarrassing to get in a fight in Walmart, okay? I don't want to do that. But what I'm trying to tell you is I don't have a lot of patience. I'll go to Walmart, and they'll have 30 checkout places and two people working. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I go to Dollar General. It's much easier, okay? <laughs> if you work for them, I just gave you some advertisement, okay? But I don't have the best patience in the world. I drove in yesterday, and I promised Judy for... Uh, when we were coming through yesterday, I'd take her to the new, it's a new TJ Maxx, and there's a new, it's not a new, but it's a Marshalls, on Goodman Road. Anybody ever been on Goodman Road? Lord help you. I don't know why everybody called each other and showed up with us. N nobody, nobody in that area has a home. They just all live in their car. <laughs> you, better, you know what I'm talking about? You better have patience when you get on that road. Amen. <laughs> But that's not my best virtue, okay? But I've learned in my life that they that wait upon the Lord, wow, 
They didn't like. Now, this word wait is a Hebrew word. It doesn't mean to sit somewhere and twiddle your thumbs. Waiting doesn't mean you're just, okay, I'm just sitting here. No, 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 no. It, it is an action word that means while you're waiting, you are learning to strengthen yourself in him. Waiting without worship doesn't work too well. I may say that again. I've never said that before. Waiting without worship doesn't work too well. But while you're waiting, don't twiddle your thumbs and be idly sitting down. No, when you're waiting, the word wait there is from a Hebrew word is to take hips. And I hate to use the word hemp because it's associated with something else. But hemp is a strand of rope. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, one strand of rope is not too strong. But if you take two strands or three strands or four strands or five strands, you know what I mean? The more you wind those together, the stronger the rope becomes, the more you can use it to pull big things. If you're going to pull a car, anybody, everybody still with me? Here's what he's saying here. They that wait upon the Lord, take those strands of worship and you wrap them around each other. Then you do it again. Then you do it again. Then you do it again. And all of a sudden, you've got a rope of hope when you're holding on to the rope and you know God has the other end of it. He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew them strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because you've waited upon the Lord and you wrap that rope around you and you hold on. I said you hold on. You hold on. Because who's holding the other end of the rope? The Lord himself. It's like the man I heard about that fell over the side of a cliff and when he did he reached up and caught the sprout of a little tree. And he yelled out, help! Is anybody up there? And the Lord said, I'm here. And he spoke back to the man, said, sir, let go. The man said, is anybody else up there? Does that sound like us? Hello? Amen? Come on. If he promised you, don't give up and don't quit. Keep waiting. Waiting is not easy. Waiting is difficult. But you know, the, there's another Hebrew word there in that same word wait that actually means to weave a basket. And I began to pray about that. I said, why does that mean to weave a basket? It's like the Lord spoke to me and said, if you will weave a basket in your waiting, you will have a container to have my glory. Glory. See, you may not like waiting no more than I do, but keep waiting upon the Lord. He is the one that's going to give the promise. He's the one that's going to bring it to pass. Amen? You can weep. You worship. You wait. Let me give you one more. The last point is you go to war. Say war. Come on, say it. War. When you understand we are in a fight. Come on. We need soldiers. We don't need somebody just to get saved and sit on a pew. Hello. We got enough pew warmers. We need some people to put on the, the armor, helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Gird your loins with truth. Put on your shoes to be prepared. Pick up the shield of faith. Get the sword. Hello. You see, too many of us are too quick to leave in the morning without getting dressed. You wouldn't dare leave your house without putting your clothes on. Amen? I hope not. But why do you leave without getting dressed spiritually? 
because you don't know what you're about to run into. But I'm so glad to tell you, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. What are we fighting? We're not fighting the people you're seeing in the street that are becoming radical and are hitting people and doing That's not because of them. It's because of spiritual wickedness. It's because of principalities and powers that begin to control people's lives. It's time for us to pray against it. It's time for us to pull down the stronghold. We're in a war. I said, we're in a war. I decided years ago I would join the Navy. I thought, man, that's the thing to do. I like, you know how long I like being in the Navy? About two hours. 49 months later, I got out. I never liked it. I never looked back. I almost drug my sea bag behind my car when I got out. They didn't even talk to me about re-upping, okay? But here's what I learned. I like what I heard a admiral say the other day. He was talking to some cadets. He said, here's what I want to teach you. We need to teach people again how to make their bed. Anybody here been in the military? He said, if you hadn't, you don't understand that. That guy comes by and he flips a quarter. It better bounce. Hello, if you didn't make it right, I, I know what it's like to run around the, the place outside with a sea bag over my head loaded with my clothes until I about fall because I didn't do what I supposed You know what he was saying? It's not making you bad. It's discipline. Come on, we need to discipline ourselves. We need to discipline who we are. We need to discipline ourselves spiritually. Come on, we need to take charge that, oh, that we're in a war and we need some soldiers that know how to shoot a gun. Yeah, I, I thought, man, this is a wonderful thing. I, I'm going to join the Navy and I'm going to see the world. I saw Guantanamo Bay. I went down there right after the Bay of Pigs invasion. But the thing about it, if you're in the Navy, they don't teach you to shoot like they do in the Marines. Hello, if you're a Marine, you're listening to me. But we used to have to play war games with them. And as a Navy man, you don't really have a clue. We knew how to fold our clothes and we knew how to clean. We knew how to keep that white hat from turning yellow. We knew how to do all that. We weren't too good. At, but it would make those Marines so bad, so mad when I would capture one of them. You say, how'd you do it? I don't know. I just captured him, you know. But here's what I want to tell you. Those men were taught to fight. They knew how to tear that gun apart and put it back together. They knew how to put the bullets in. They knew how to, they knew everything. Hello, folks. Do you know how to take the word of the living God and use the bullets of the word to come against the enemy? We're in a war. I said, we're in a war. We're, we're not just laying around. We're in a war. I was reading about a man by the name of Lloyd Corbett. No, not Lloyd. Seems like I remember a guy named Lloyd that was in the ministry. His name was Corbett, his last name. He was a boxer years ago. And sometimes when he was in the ring, his nose would be bloody. His eyes would be shut. He barely couldn't make it. But he kept fighting, and he kept fighting. They interviewed him, Brother Rigney, and they looked at him and said, how do you do that? How do you do what you do? How do you stay in there? He said, this is what I tell myself. All I got to do is fight one more round. You can't fight 12 at once, but you can fight one more round. It's not a shame to get knocked down. It's a shame to stay down. You can get knocked down. Get back up. 
the enemy will stand over you and try to count to ten. Don't you let him do it. Jump back up. You may be bludgeoned. You may be bloody. You may be bruised. You may hardly move, and you stagger around. If you ever watch a boxing match, and you wonder how in the world's that guy standing? Because he's willing to go one more round. Are you willing to stand up against the enemy and go one more round? Not next week, not next month, but today, today. Somebody say it. I'm going to fight. Say it with me. Fight. You've got to understand we are in a fight and we're in a war and we've got to get with it and we've got to cut. Oh, my Lord. There's a word that they coined back in World War II. It's called detente. Detente is a word that means here's two countries. Like, like we can have a detente with Russia. We can have a detente with China. We can have a detente with North Korea, even though he's a nut. Amen. I can get an amen to that. Listen, but listen to what I'm telling you. You know what detente means? Peaceful coexistence. Can I tell you something? You cannot have a detente with the devil. There is no peaceful coexistence with the devil. Can I get an amen? You see, when you understand you're in a fight, when you realize you can fight one more round, then you realize you can pull down one more stronghold. You can do one more thing. I, I don't know. Before I get through today, I want to give him two black eyes. How about you? I want to give him a bloody nose. I want to knock him out. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I know in whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him against this day. How many know you're in a fight, but you know you're going to win? You know who he is, and you know he has already won the fight. Raise him in the house. You're in a war. And that means you're willing to fight. Look at verses 18 and 19 as we close. Verses 18 and 19 say it this way. David recovered what? Say it again. Mm. Mm. That means he got his children back. He got two wives back. I'm not sure about that, but he did. Because he had two, he got back everything they had stolen. He realized we're in a war. But he listened to what God said to him in about verse 8, pursue. Say that with me. Say pursue. Pursue is a Hebrew word that means to run with all your might. Quit lollygagging around and just praying about it. Start running. I, heard, I told you a moment ago, I walked two miles in 30 minutes. That's my worship time and that's my physical time. Do you know why I do that? In 2005, I had a heart attack. I got three stents in here. Somebody said, how does it feel? I said, I don't know. I don't feel any different. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it woke me up. I'm in a battle. Hello. Physically, I'm going to take care of me. And spiritually, I'm going to take care of me. I don't want to be blindsided. How about you? You see, I know what it's like to be in that place. I know what it's like to be put in the back of an ambulance. I know what it's like to look at somebody shake their head. Then I know what it's like for them to do another cardiogram and say, I can't believe it. Everything's all right. 
You see, why? Because I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight. You're not going to get it just by saying I'm going to get it. You're not going to happen because you say it's going to happen. But while they were taking me to the hospital 25 miles away, my church, who was out eating lunch while this was happening to me on a Sunday, they got on their knees in a restaurant, and they began to pray. And that's when they read that thing and said, we don't understand it, but everything looks all right. Everything is okay. Let me tell you, I am okay because I'm in a battle. But I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to fight. And if I'm going to lose, he's going to get me while I'm running, while I'm walking, while I'm moving, because I know that God has given me a mandate that we've got to rise up. Do I have any soldiers in the house? Do I have any warriors in the house? Come on. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. My Lord, folks. Say, take it back. Say, take it back. Take back your dream. Take back your vision. Take back your marriage. Take back your children. Take back your health. Take back your finances. It's time to take it back in the name of Jesus and realize. Take it back. How do you do it? Prayer. Believing. Walking in faith. Hello? Somebody says, I have to fight it. I told you a moment ago at the beginning, he'll deceive you. But the main thing he'll do, you know what the enemy does to Christians? He discourages us. They said that the devil had a yard sale. Please don't go. But he had a yard sale. And they began to buy tools from him and pay for this one. They walked over to one that was absolutely worn out. It looked like it had nothing left. And the guy came up to the devil and said, I'd like to buy that one. He said, that one's not for sale because that's called discouragement. And that's what I use against the Christians. Come on. Discouraged. Discouraged. See, he wants to get you discouraged. When he gets you discouraged, he'll get you to that place that he'll convince you that what he says is truth when it's a lie. Say stronghold. Say it again, stronghold. It says we're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me give you the definition of stronghold. It is a lie of the devil he's made you believe is true. I don't know who it is this morning, Pastor, that's facing something maybe you've never faced before. Yes. Yeah, you're on target. You're confirming it, honey. The Lord just told me to do it, and I thought, well, am I going to stop right here and do it? There's a young lady that's uh, married to one of the guys who went to Summerton Christian, and actually it's my son-in-law's brother. She's probably in her 30s. They've discovered recently she's a tremendous, she is unbelievable in what she does in children's church. She has a tumor in her spine or on her spine. She is right now in Houston, Texas. She went down there. They've told her. the doc I talked with her last night, and the doctor told her, yesterday, don't even move. You could pay paralyzed. And I thought, man, if a doctor told me that, get me in the hospital, and let's get this thing done. Whatever you got to do. Well, 
there's a hurricane came named Harvey, so they can't do it. But delay is not denial. For I have ordered your steps. I have gone before you. I have not left you. Even though you hear that it's dreary, that it's dangerous, that it won't happen, know this, says the Lord, my promises are yes and amen. What I have told you, I will bring to pass. As you wait upon me, I am helping you, I am strengthening you, and I am preparing you for what I have for you. Do not turn away. Do not get discouraged. Do not give up, for I have plans for you, and the plans that I have for you are beyond anything you could think. My Lord, folks, lift both of your hands and honor the presence of God in this house. Oh, would you stand with me, please? But before I pray for Jennifer, Judy just confirmed it, that I'm supposed to pray for her. She's down in Houston. She needs a miracle. But the Holy Spirit said as I pray for her, he wanted me to pray for you. If you're here today, you're in a dilemma, you're in a sickness, you're in a financial situation, a family situation. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. You need God to move upon the scene of your life. This altar is open for you. As they began to play, would you walk up here in Jesus' name? Thank you, Jesus. I know you're here. Just come on. Come on. Come on. He's giving you the promise. He said that he would do it. He just confirmed it through the tongues and interpretation. He's letting you know. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. And he's God. There is none else beside him. He's God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you just a moment more. There's somebody in the balcony trying to make up your mind. We'll wait on you. That's fine. I'm not going to press you. The Holy Spirit is reaching around your heart right now and saying, I am your answer. I am your way out. I will help you pull down those strongholds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There, come on, that's all right. Anybody, come on. That's okay. Anybody else? I don't want to hurt. We start praying for these people and you still feel led of the Lord to come. Don't, there's, it doesn't matter. You can come now. You can come later. Whatever. 
I've prayed for people in the parking lot. It doesn't matter to me. It's whatever God wants to do. Oh, I need my altar workers to come and help me. Would you come and stand with these? Before I lay hands on you, I'm going to pray for Jennifer like the Lord led me to do. Father, would you reach over and join hands with your neighbor if you've got somebody beside you? Father, I pray for Jennifer right now. Dissolve that tumor. Dissolve it. I want them, when they do more tests, to scratch their head in amazement and be bewildered by what you do. In the name of Jesus, you spoke it to me. You confirmed it with Judy. And now, Lord, I'm asking you, whoo, my Holy Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.